0: So, we say this every year. This is our uh, graduation ceremony. We do this celebration every year for them. Um, And I I have this intro, these words that I say, because I just want to remind every senior class coming through. Um, And it's also a reminder for you as well. Um, All of the youth ministry leaders and staff here at Redemption, the elders, we're all, anyone here is incredibly proud of you guys. But I have to tell you that it has nothing to do with your graduation. I'm sorry to stomp on your parade. You graduating is a wonderful thing, but we're not here this morning to celebrate what you have accomplished, or how smart you are, or how athletic you were in high school. You are standing here because our relationship with you is about to change. And we need to discuss this change, this movement, this emergence into adulthood. Over the years, you've built thousands of relationships. Parents, siblings, friends, pastors, coaches, small group leaders, but I want to talk about the relationship you have with these people. Your relationship with this church is an important, important relationship to, be, be, to being a human being. I want to talk about something that has been true this whole time, but you are now ready to know it. You are now ready to feel it and to fully participate in it. There is a distance between you and this congregation, like actual distance. You're standing here and they're sitting there. And I want you to pay attention to this space between you and the other people in this church. This space, this distance, is holy. There's something going on in this space that you are ready to take responsibility for. This space is called a relationship. At a young age, your parents were responsible for taking care of this space for you. Your parents were responsible for cultivating your relationship with God, your relationship with other people, your relationship with yourself, and your relationship with nature. They nurtured you. They cared for you. They began giving you the necessary tools that you would need to one day take responsibility for cultivating this space and one, and one day begin helping others take responsibility for this space. As you have grown older, you have slowly been taking on more and more responsibility, whether it was preschool, elementary, Club 56, or even youth ministry. Over time, you have slowly been given a story that teaches you how to love those you hate, how to have hope in dark times, and how to remember who we are and who we worship when it is so easy to forget. This morning is not a permission slip for you to now be full members of the church. You are already that. This morning is not a ceremony saying that you are worthy of this church's love and admiration. You are already that. This morning is an announcement to you and to the church that these students are equal partners in taking responsibility for the care of this space. They are ready. So this is your introduction to the community because these adults need to know you And you need to know them. We will be going through every person on this stage. And I'll be giving you a short introduction to who they are. And then I'll be giving them a gift of the Spirit. This gift is what I see that God is bringing into the world through them. In many ways, this gift points to how you might participate in the mission of God with your life, with your work, and with your resources. Wherever it is you might end up. So when I say your name... You can step forward so everyone can know who, I, who it is. And then after we're done, you guys can applaud for them, and we will be giving them uh, a gift. They're small group leaders, or Valerie will be giving them a gift. Okay. Let's, let's begin with Andres Shavira. Andres, step forward, please. Andres. So Andres just gave his senior speech to the youth group uh, last Wednesday, and I want to share with you a little bit what he said, because it perfectly encapsulates Andres. Andre said to the youth group, I plan on making it. I want to make money. And when I do, I promise I will come back around and pay for things. I want to give back. I want to help people have the experience I had with this church. And while a lot of people were impressed by this statement, I've heard kids say things like this before. They get kind of worked up as graduating seniors. They they feel really emotional and they say things they don't really mean in order to show a genuine feeling they have towards their friends and leaders. But the thing you need to know about Andres is he's been saying this exact same thing to me since eighth grade year. Back then it was, I'm going to play in the NBA and make millions and give this church whatever it wants. But now it's just become simply, cool, I'm going to give back. Andres has had a rough road. In a world of competition and coolness, Andres was always kind. He was always caring. It wasn't until later that Andres' peers began to realize that he was the good and loyal friend they've been looking for. And with this in mind, Andres, I've been entrusted by the elders and staff of this church to name in you the gift of exhortation. Exhortation means encouragement. But it doesn't mean you just go around telling people encouraging things. Exhortation means that you feel progress, you feel, in some ways, success when everyone around you is flourishing. That is you, Andres. As your friend Alex Guerrero said to me the other day, a lot of kids at North well, at the North, have their friends and then they just hate their, their rivals, but Andres, nah, he's just cool with everybody. It's a rare gift to be able to turn pain into love, to be able to turn disses into kindness. But Andres, you do this. You have found a way to see past people's expressions of their own pain. And you've realized a truth that most adults have not come to realize yet. You see that everybody's hurt and they need a friend. We love you, Andres. We're proud of you. Brendan Gardner. So Brendan might look like a metal guitarist, but he's actually way more interesting than that, Uh, even though your hair is incredible. Um, Most people would say that Brendan's defining characteristic, I think most people would say this, is just like how smart he is. And yes, Brendan is incredibly bright. He's incredibly smart. But there's something exceptional beyond that that I want to point out to you this morning. In many ways, it's inspired me about, about Brendan. Often, intelligence or some kind of high mental capacity has this weird way of building a wall around your heart. Intelligence can cause one to live in the mind and become callous to the world and to other people. But what's interesting about Brendan is that while, yes, it is clear that he is often thinking on another level from his peers or his youth pastor, uh, he works to protect his heart from being held prisoner by his intelligence. We recently went to lunch, to eat lunch, to discuss a big paper that he had to do at school. You remember this? Yeah, okay. Uh, the paper was on what is a biblical worldview and how does one formulate this worldview? And well, in a paper like this, it's easy to draw black and white lines and on every issue. I saw Brendan asking questions that showed concern, a desire for reconciliation, a well thought out method and a seriousness to the issue that I don't often find with a lot of students. So with this in mind, Brendan, I've been entrusted by the elders and staff of this church to name in you the gift of discernment. Your ability to hold two realities together and seek God in the midst of them is a unique gift that is needed in our community and in our world. So I encourage you, we all encourage you, lean into your mind but never neglect your heart and live out what you learn through your hands and your feet. We love you, Brennan. We're proud of you. (laughs) Jess Jabin. There's Jess. So, uh, So Jess, I didn't really get a chance to know Jess much until about two years ago. Uh, but I'm so glad I got to know him. And not only because he, he built our gaga ball pit as an Eagle Scout project, which many of our students have enjoyed, uh, but also because Jess is a wonderful kid who works really hard. And there's something you need to know about students in order to understand something true about Jess. A lot of students uh, love to serve and work. They like to do different things around the church. But most of the time after they get done serving, they approach you with, So, hey, Cole, can you sign my community service form? I need it for school. Or, hey, can you write a letter letting my advisor know I did this job as a volunteer? And there's nothing wrong with this. That's actually great. Uh, But occasionally you get a student like Jess who you can tell is serving the people and institutions that he intuitively sees as being good and valuable to the world. Just because it's what he sees as being the right thing to do jess has been attending redemption for a long time and, and last summer our summer soccer camp was going on and jess decided yeah i'll help with that uh so i gave him the worst job jess i'm sorry i gave you the worst job it was the worst uh <laughs> jess i asked him to move the gaga ball pit from the shed over here to the schoolyard before and after camp so his job was to take eight massive pieces of constructed wall that had to be loaded into a truck, driven over to the school, and then assembled, then do it all in reverse. And whenever you ask a student to do this kind of work, they usually say, okay. <laughs> but Jess just started working. It was if It's as if he enjoyed helping the cause and taking on the job that nobody wanted. With this in mind, Jess, I've been entrusted by the elders and staff of this church to name in you the gift of service. Service is not slavery, right? Service is doing what you have to do to help the community participate in the mission of God. And Jess, you've, you have already been serving our community. In Redemption Church, if, if you can trust Jess with the little things, you can trust Jess with the big things. We love you, Jess. We're proud of you. Okay, so this is Desiree Pitts. Desiree, awesome. So Desiree came to Youth Group this past year and has been coming to Redemption on Sunday morning as well. Desiree is a wonderful person, and I am so excited for you all to be able to get to know her. Desiree has opened up to me a little bit about her uh, church history and and the pain that has been caused by the church over the years. In fact, just yesterday, we were sitting at a grad party and you were telling me a story that sounds oh so familiar. You were saying how you were raised in a church in town and and things were going good until you started going to the high school ministry. And you said that this is when you started thinking and asking questions about faith, about life, about Jesus, about the church. And those questions were not met with the same love and compassion you received when you were younger. Did you hear that? You're not alone. (laughs) You said that your questions were met with judgment with fear, the people you thought you knew seemed to change on you. They, they, they seemed to care more about what you believed than you. I know that you also went through a really hard time over the past few years, not including losing a church community you once loved. And at the end of the day, you have been through a lot, Desiree. But here you stand. With this in mind, Desiree, I have been entrusted by the elders and staff of this church to name in you the gift of healings. The gift of healings, of course, has this like, supernatural element to it. A, a bizarre ability for people to find, really, I would say, it's a bizarre ability for people to find health and life through your care. The reason I give you this gift is because you have the ability to say to so many people who are hurting or who might be experiencing the things you have experienced, yes, me too. And anyone who has been through a ton of pain, knows that solidarity can bring a kind of supernatural healing. Desirée, we love you. We're proud of you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Melinda Johns, thank you. Uh, Melinda, I asked Desiree a simple question about you, and you should have heard her response. I said, Desiree, so tell me about Melinda. Desiree leaned forward in her chair, and she said, "Um, well, I've known Melinda since fifth grade, and uh, Melinda, uh, she's complex, (laughs) but in a good way. So you've been coming to redemption in the youth group here for almost an entire school year now. And I wanna try to name something for you that I've been wanting to tell you for a while. So I figured I might as well do it in front of the entire church. (laughs) Melinda is a bundle of opposites, or as Desiree might say, complex. She loves art, but wants to be a scientist. Uh, She is a loyal, loyal friend, but cannot wait to go, go off to school. She has a lot to say, but also is a wonderful listener. Melinda is freaky smart, but also super goofy. She feels all of the feelings and also thinks all of the thoughts. And she won't stop talking to her friends in class and won't stop asking all the right questions and responses to my lessons. With this in mind, Melinda, I've been entrusted by the elders and staff of this church to name in you the gift of prophecy. Now hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Melinda. Melinda. Prophecy is not magically telling the future. Prophetic living doesn't even have to be with words. In many ways, prophecy can be someone who, by the very way they live their life, inspire people to change. Someone who embodies a different way of seeing the world. Someone who will not conform to unjust systems and patterns. Melinda, you are not going to live a simple life. You have never, you never have, and my guess is you never will. Therefore, we would encourage you, lean into the complexity of who you are and who God is crafting you to be. Live a complex life where you reach for art and science, loyalty and a little punk rock. Speaking and listening, loving and learning, because you never know. You might show a small church in Olathe a new way of living that they can't even imagine yet. Melinda, we love you, and we're proud of you. Ezra Stanley. So Ezra, Ezra took the biggest step, obviously, because he's the tallest person here. I mean, that is a step, man. I don't even know how he did that. <laughs> Ezra gave his senior speech uh, this past Wednesday at youth group, but decided to do the most Ezra thing ever. Um, instead of giving a speech, he decided to do a Q&A with the youth group. They could ask him anything, and he would answer their questions. They asked him anything. <laughs> it was his time. I let it happen. It's not the most, okay, th- that moment was not the most Ezra thing ever, because in doing a Q&A, you didn't actually have to prepare a speech, which I think was a l- part of it. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's also, it's also not the most Ezra thing ever, because he wanted to do something different and flip the script on what it meant to do senior speeches at youth group, even though I suspect that was part of it too. Um, It's the most Ezra thing ever because it shows the inner workings of who Ezra is and why Ezra is so important to our youth group and to this church, whether you know it or not. With this in mind, Ezra, I have been entrusted by the elders and staff of this church to name in you the gift of hospitality. Ezra has a deep desire for everyone to have a place at the table, for those who are on the outer edges of belonging to find friendship. And when I think back on your senior speech, Ezra, I should have been able to predict that you would organize your time in such a way that everyone got to play. So as I told the kids at our youth group, I will also say it to you. I will also say it to you. If you walk into a room or, or an event at the church and you don't know anyone and you feel that inner cringe of awkwardness and you don't know what to do, where to stand or who to talk to, I, I would encourage you to find the tall, lanky, college-age kid go introduce yourself, and Ezra will take it from there. Ezra, we love you, we're proud of you. (laughs) Last one, Jesus Isidor. All right. Okay, so it was five years ago that I noticed four middle school kids from the neighborhood were playing soccer on these terrible goals over at Ridgeview Elementary almost every single day. No, every single day. Um, our youth group, uh, when I uh, about five years ago, we needed to make some friends with our neighbors, and I thought maybe we can provide a really good soccer goal with a net, and they'll want to come hang out over here at the church, and we can get to know them a little bit. Once we built the goal and put it in the front yard of the church. Two things happened at the exact same time. One, they started playing on our our goal every day after school, right outside my office window, so when I could see them playing, I could step out and say, hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? And two, that office window was the only window on on that side of the building they didn't break by kicking a soccer ball through it. (laughs) It's true. Your tithe has gone to thousands of window repairs. (laughs) Jesus was one of the older kids in the group and kind of functioned as the protector of the group. I noticed this. As an eighth grader, Jesus was quiet, skeptical, and would do this thing where he would stand back. He still does this, but then he'd stand back and just like watch you. It's like he was reading you to see if you were safe. Jesus didn't trust adults. And it might be because he was forced to be an adult way too soon in his life. But I soon learned that once you show loyalty to Jesus, Jesus is deeply loyal in return. And with this in mind, Jesus, I have been entrusted by the elders and staff of this church to name in you the gift of faithfulness. Whether it was the time that the church backed up on Sunday morning and stuff was coming up from the floor drains, stuff was coming up from the floor drains, (laughs) And we didn't know what to do, and I looked over, and Jesus disappeared, and I'm like, oh, yeah, smart, middle school, bailed on this. But then all of a sudden, I saw you carefully riding your bike from your house with a shovel in your hand to come help, or it has been the last year where you've had to miss youth group because you're helping your mom with her second job in the evenings to pay the bills. But you always show up to youth group, get this, he always shows up to youth group after work just to see everyone, even if it's for like five or ten minutes. Either way, Jesus, Goodness. Either way, Jesus, you trusted me, you trusted us, and you were the first kid from this neighborhood to walk into the youth group. Nobody talked to you at first. Nobody asked you to sit next to them until Alana Thompson, but you just kept on showing up. You forced us to see you, and in so doing, you changed my life and the life of this entire church. Jesus, we love you, and we're proud of you. Okay, so Tim is going to come up, uh, but as, you, as he comes up, you want me to call up everybody? Okay, uh, if you have in some way served or parented or uh, uncled or aunted, whoever's here, if you are in some way connected to these students um, in this church or in your family, uh, please come up. We're going to do a blessing for them, and as you come up, will you guys just step up a little bit, and let's circle in behind them and surround them, and let's give them a
1: blessing. And everybody else, you can can stand if you want. Come on up and see if you can just put a hand on their shoulder somewhere. And then for the rest of us, if you would just raise your hand toward them in a blessing, let's pray for these folks. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for these kids. Thank you so much for the gifts that you have given them and the ones in particular that Cole named just now. As we raise our hands toward them put our hands on their bodies, we want to bless them, to impart to them this love, this unity of the body and It's so important to us. We know from this moment on it's, it's going to be a little more free from, for them, they're going to They're going to have more choices about whether or not to be involved in this community. But we've prayed it every single Sunday over them, and we pray it again today, that they would never know a single moment of their life that they don't feel a part of the people of God. That they would see how important they are to your kingdom. That they would see themselves in your story, in this story, ongoing and stretching out forever and their lives such a beautiful and good part of it. We give you thanks for um, their spirit. We ask you to protect them from harm, give them strength and courage. We ask that you would give them friendship along the way that they would meet up with other like-minded folks and lock arms and tackle their challenges. We pray that when they fall that Your spirit would be there. The body of Christ would be there to strengthen them and pick them up. We pray that they would learn their lessons from the pain of life and not avoid it. We pray that they would find good work to do with their hands and jobs and careers that they love. We pray that they would find somebody to partner up with in life that they can love and serve and pour out their life for. And more than anything, we just pray that they will find themselves among your people, serving the kingdom, engaging in your mission of redemption in the world. And toward that end, we bless them, and we ask you to bless them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.